Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Here's a question that we'd like to ask you, and we're going to get very personal. Mm-hmm. Do you have somebody in your local church who drives you crazy? <laughs> no names will be mentioned here, but do you identify with that? If you do, then you're going to want to listen to our conversation with Pastor Jamie Dunlop. Right. He wrote the book on it. I love the ones who drive you crazy. Jamie, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thank you so much. All right. Name of your book is Love the Ones Who Drive You Crazy. (laughs) Whoever came up with this title, uh, this is great because, you know, there's so many books out there. And if you're just kind of perusing, you're like, oh, love the ones who drive you crazy. I'm on that like a rat on a Cheeto. Do you have anything to do with this? Oh, it's how I feel sometimes. And uh, it's somewhat tongue-in-cheek, because if you read the book to deal with the people who drive you crazy, you'll be sadly disappointed. It's a book about changing yourself. Yeah. See, Kate? Uh, which, mm-hmm. of, of course, jumped, where yeah. we need to go. Yeah, exactly. Kate I, jumped ahead. I, I was trying to get her to name names at her church, yeah. Jamie, but uh, she was so diplomatic. She's a pro. She danced around that and just kind of tap danced. That was perfect. Well, I think we often see people reflected in us, like what we don't like in them is really hidden in us somewhere, or mm. maybe not so hidden in us. What do you call Mm. that? Uh, Is that projection or reflection, something Um, like that? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, well, let's go to the Word of God because your book is saturated with uh, the Bible, which is awesome. Let's go to uh, the Book of Romans, chapters 12 through 15. This is where you get some of your truths or all of your truths to pursuing unity in the church. So, um, wow. Where do we start? It's almost overwhelming, isn't it? I think a, a great place to start is to recognize that these churches in the New Testament had so many similar challenges to where we are today. Um, you know, if I was planting a church in Rome in the first century, I'd have a church for Jews on one side of the city, a church for Gentiles on the other side of the city. But a key theme all through Romans is that these first churches with brand new immature believers are going to be Jew-Gentile from the very beginning. And... Uh, uh, Romans 12 is very much a call to love, even have affection for these people who are so different culturally, in terms of background, uh, in terms of conscience. And Paul just keeps going. And, uh, and I think we have a lot of hope from these chapters that um, this is not a surprise to God, that he's put you in church of people who are very different from you. Uh, because uh, love, despite those differences, is what displays the gospel in a particularly powerful way. You know, one of the challenges is, well, maybe it's always been this way, but it seems like today, um, I don't know, maybe we're more aware of it than we, at least maybe I'm more aware of it than I have been in the past. And that is, there's a lot of stuff that, how do I put this? Uh, the theology is not where it needs to be. And again, that can be very divisive as well when we are arguing over sidebar issues. But my concern is when you get the gospel wrong or you get your definition of who Jesus is wrong or you get your view of God's word as the inerrant, infallible, authoritative, inspired word of God, you get that wrong and you raise your hand up in the air and you're like, oh, I need to say something. Then they say, well, you know, we need to be unified, and you're creating division in the church. That's kind of a, a, a really crazy place to be. Have you ever seen that in your church? And maybe you have some advice for those of us who have how to approach this. Well, you, you bring up a really good point, because the, the New Testament values unity, but it values gospel fidelity more. 
And uh, I think the path to theological liberalism has often been through the lens of unity, where people mm -hmm. say, doctrine divides, we need to love each other, don't worry about those things. That's how you lose the gospel. As evangelical Christians, we're deeply aware of that history, and we're very, I think, sometimes skeptical of calls to unity. At the same time, the New Testament's also clear that it is unity in the gospel that protects the gospel. And uh, we, we need to be careful that we divide when the gospel really is at stake. But when it's not at stake and we cause divisions in the church, that's what Paul calls factions that he lists right up with uh, orgies and witchcraft in Galatians 5 as uh, works of the flesh. Why did God put difficult people in my church? Okay, let's answer that one. Because you're there. <laughs> because you're there, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I could answer in seven words, because uh, easy love rarely shows off gospel power. Oh, that's good. Hang on. Say that again. Oh, yeah. Say that again. Yeah. Easy love rarely shows off gospel power. Mm -hmm. Tell us what uh, you mean by that. Yeah, if I'm looking for a church that's easy, then I want people who are just like me. If I wasn't a Christian, we probably have great relationships anyway. And it's, it's love despite differences, love even to the point Jesus said of loving your enemies, uh, that shows that he really has done something in my heart that's given me real new birth, that's given me power to love that goes beyond what I can do in my own strength. What about uh, those of us who say, okay, I know I'm called to love my brothers and sisters in Christ, but I don't have to like them. Do you ever hear that phrase? Oh, I heard that a few minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, gosh, you know, Romans 12, 10 gets really close to being uncomfortable to that. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo yeah. one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And again, he's speaking to these churches that are full of people who have differences of conviction and differences of conscience and differences of background and culture. So... I understand what someone says, Kate, when you say, uh, I, I'm going to love them, I don't have to like them. <laughs> yeah. But gosh, the Bible is going to push you really close to, 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 uh, to saying, no, you, you actually should feel affection for right. these people if all is working well. Yes. Yeah. And I do, you know, like I'm from seven kids and we're all very different, have very different ideas about different things in life. I love them. I love them. I don't agree with them. Mm. I love them. I will talk to them maybe, but don't you mess with them. You know what I mean? I yeah. love them. Uh, and But like people, those are the people you want to sit down and have tea with on your bad days. Mm. You know? Love them on their bad days. You go have tea with them. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. I think yeah. that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think one of, the, yeah. one of the most important things in the church is to learn to build friendships with people with whom you disagree over yes. issues that yes. are not not gospel mm -hmm. issues. Yeah. We can still be a church together and disagree over these issues, but that doesn't mean they're unimportant. Right. And yet we can still have friendship over them. Yeah. By the yeah. way, Kate, did you like the way I outed you on that? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I was that's trying okay. to be subtle, but it didn't work. Uh, Jane's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, you're okay, taking us Kate, there anyway. Uh, Kate just said, yeah, that's Well, funny. I think, yeah, it's just your idea of what, you know, like is. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's all about your definition. Right. But yeah, we, yeah. we should love each other with brotherly affection. Yes. 
Yes, agreed. Okay, well, how can I be friends with those people, though, too? I mean, I guess you, the commonality is, you know what the deal is here, Jamie? We cannot live the Christian life, which includes everything we're talking about, without the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, mm-hmm. we, there has to be a power that comes from outside that fills us, and we as followers of Jesus, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of times, though, we just kind of squash or squelch or just kind of ignore the the fruit of the Spirit, which is, you know, it's in Galatians 5, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Yeah, which I think, you know, that's why Paul begins the section on love. He says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Uh, You know, to give you another seven-word phrase, we love because he first loved us. Uh, It's because of what the Holy Spirit has done in our hearts. He's forgiven us of our sin. He's given us new life in Christ. He's secured our inheritance. Because of all that mercy God has shown to us, that's our power to love. Not just, I'm going to white knuckle it through, try harder, and, you know, diagonal, I'm going to make this work. Uh, we, We need to lean back into what God has done for us. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. Let's talk about forgiveness and the lack thereof. Mm. Well, we know as followers of Jesus, we are called to forgive others. This is a, this is a commandment. This is not discretionary. This is not up for negotiation. But this issue of forgiveness, I think it's one of the hardest things we're called to do as believers. And, of course, it's a lot easier to talk about forgiving others if you don't have somebody to forgive at the current moment. But um, this is tough, and forgiveness is, is so vitally important in, in, when it comes to loving others well and, and some of the stuff we're talking about here. So how do we approach the issue of forgiveness? You kind of have two camps you have those who say we are called to forgive and have the spirit of forgiveness no matter what the other person does. Then you have those folks who say they need to repent first, admit they're wrong, then I can extend forgiveness to them. There are believers on both sides of this issue. Where do you fall and can you help us if we're having trouble forgiving somebody in our lives right now? Yeah, I think one of the challenges there is the New Testament uses the term forgiveness sometimes uh, as a synonym for reconciliation, uh, which obviously is, that, that requires two people. You can't reconcile with someone all by yourself. And yet, uh, I think the core theological idea of forgiveness in the New Testament is something that uh, we are obligated to do regardless of what other people uh, do in response. Certainly, that's what God did when he forgave us. Yeah. Uh, he did not wait for us to respond before he chose to move in love toward us. Um, I have a chapter on forgiveness in the book. It's an important concept. And I think it's important to recognize that sometimes we can forgive and the friendship is not restored. Uh, forgiveness doesn't uh, necessarily succeed in reconciliation. And yet, as a pastor, so often I see people who have thought they've forgiven they've not realized quite how deep in unfair forgiveness really is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we basically say, I've done my job, the friendship can't be restored, oh well, when actually the problem is I haven't really dug deep into what forgiveness really means. Yeah, that's good. What about church hurt, which is kind of what we're talking about, forgiving others? There are many folks 
who have been hurt by other believers. I would venture to say that pretty much all of us have been hurt by another believer at some points, and maybe we have been the ones who have done the hurting. Now, we have soured on the church, the local church. Uh, maybe we're like, you know what? I Let's just give an example. I went to a small group. Let's just say that that's, you know, go to a small group, and you've got these people you're doing life with, but they betray you, turn on you. Uh, maybe they uh, reveal a confidence, something you said in confidence. All of this, and, and you feel devastated. And might I just say the church hurt cuts deep because it's not just somebody doing something. It's somebody that you consider to be a brother or sister in Christ. Uh, and so it's a spiritual wound as well as a emotional wound that can turn us away from the church. What do you want to say to the person who says, you know what, you just described where I am right now, and I'm not even going to a local church because I've been hurt over and over again. I'm just afraid. I, I don't want to put myself mm. out there again. Mm. Oh, all sorts of things. I mean, it's real, right? I mean, the like you said, because because the church has the potential to be so sweet, when it sours, it's so hard. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and church church is challenging because uh, sometimes you're hurt by people who have spiritual authority, and uh, maybe you're hurt because you misunderstood, or maybe you're hurt because they didn't use their authority well. But that's that's a particularly difficult situation. Hebrews ten tells us that we need to not neglect meeting together, and so if you're listening to this program and you've given up on the church, I would implore you not to give up on Jesus. And Jesus is telling you, you got to find a group of believers where you can uh, be under the authority of the congregation of the preaching of God's word because you, you can't lone ranger it as a Christian. Uh, you may have been hurt. Uh, I have no doubt that those hurt are real. And the way that uh, God is uh, in his kindness uh, designed the Christian life to address hurts just like that is to be with other believers who you trust. And so I would just say, keep, keep trying, keep getting back in until you find a church where you feel like, here's a place I, I, can, I can thrive here. I often as a pastor am encouraging, well, not often, sometimes as a pastor, I'm encouraging people to leave my church because I've lost their trust and they need to be in a place where they can trust the leaders. And so part of my job as a shepherd is not to get everybody here, it's to get every sheep to the best pastures they can possibly feed in. I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. Jamie, thanks for being very authentic and transparent about that, too. That's great. You're going to find that throughout the book. Love the ones who drive you crazy. Eight truths for pursuing unity in your church. Jamie, thanks for writing the book, and thanks for being with us here this morning. Many blessings to you. I like you, Jamie. Yeah, we like you. <laughs> oh, it's been such a good conversation. Thank you both. And thank, thank you for you. caring about these things. Uh there are some Christians who dismiss this as like soft issues. Ah, it's unity. We don't. This is so important, and I appreciate you putting this on the show. Thanks for listening to Curtain Gate Mornings podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from six to nine a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.